0: Sometimes there's good wins and, or sorry, good losses and bad wins. Horrible start there. Just like the first sentence, can't get that one. Bad omen. Although, I have heard that William the Conqueror, when he did conquer England, when he stepped off the boat, he slipped. And all his troops were like, oh no, this is bad. We got no shot. Our leader fell the second he stood on our opponent's soil and then you know the rest thanks to a big tapestry so hopefully that's this kind of show justin williams later on in this program and then uh, yeah robert murray i'm doing it i'm doing it i couldn't help it any longer i went a long time some of you will be upset some of you will be nonplussed i had to ask somebody about what the blue jays are doing because everybody thought the floodgates were going to open up after the Shohei signing. And I don't know, okay, I don't know if I'm supposed to be more or less encouraged by the tact the Blue Jays seem to be taking, which is cone of silence. No one really knowing who they're in on, who they're out on. Maybe a little bit of Bellinger. Maybe a little bit of bringing that Chapman back. Maybe active in the trade market. Maybe not. In on a Marcus Stroman type. Out. Who who knows? Feels like we just went from Shohei to Yamamoto and that that's all we're doing because we're waiting on which secret guy is going to pick a team and whether that's going to happen before Christmas. I think it would be really funny if he just decided to ruin all of baseball media's Christmas by announcing it Christmas Day. You know, he thought he was going to take away some attention from the Christmas Day basketball games, sneakily the Christmas Day football games, rapidly becoming, rapidly becoming the Christmas Day football games. And then he just drops it and goes, yep, Mets. You know, like Selection Sunday, but Christmas Day. Uh, okay, Leafs, though. Didn't hate the loss. Thought it was fine. Talked about it enough on Leafs Talk last night. You can go there. You can subscribe. You can review. You can listen to all those nice things that we had to say about the team that evening. Uh, a little, couple, couple of bads But here, I want to start today, before we get into Justin Williams, the Mr. Clutch, right? Mr. Game 7. The guy who comes through in the big moments, hoping that he can impart just a, a little tiny bit of something that might make us feel better about the Toronto Maple Leafs developing the clutch gene. We'll see. But a couple quiet Leaf stats I didn't bring up yesterday. One of them is, shouldn't be that quiet, but it is very quiet. Number one, Lilligren was a minus one last night. No big deal, right? Minus one, dash one, they lost. It's fine. He was hurt. It's only three games back. He played 21 and a half minutes, pretty solid. He's had a quiet game, didn't really notice him too much, didn't think, hey, there's a bad play by Lilligren. I think overall, eye test-wise, he's looked fine. He's looked all right so far this season. That's not the stat. The stat is not the 12 games or the three games back. It's 12 games total. It's not the dash one from last night. It's that he didn't record a point. And why is that relevant? Because it's now 12 games, and Timothy Lilligren has one point. So whatever, make of that what you will. He did leave one of those 12 games injured. I don't think that it's a massive, I don't think it's some kind of superstat. He doesn't play on the power play, but he is someone who's supposed to be an offensive defenseman and on a core, in a unit that doesn't have a lot of offensive upside. I think there might be a little something to be said for that. It seems as though when he's played with, whoever he's played with, actually, it's, It's basically been, hey, you can jump up in the rush a little bit more. Maybe there's, like, some scheme to some of this. Maybe some of this is actually coaching and game plan. But I'd kind of like to see the one of the defensemen that this team is relying upon to take a step. Provide a little bit of offense. That's all. Number two, Martin Jones. He gave up four goals last night. It's more combined than his last two starts. It's quiet. It's a quiet number. It's only a couple of starts for Martin Jones. I don't think anybody really cares about it. I don't think that's a big deal at all, right? Bunch of pucks bounced around him, went in the net. He let in one goal, essentially. But the number that matters is that Ilya Samsonov, four goals, he's given that up in six of his 13 starts. Six. Almost half by this newfound stats math guy. All that is to say is that our theory of Ilya Samsonov getting runway to try to find himself in the net, I'm not so certain that's actually going to happen. I mentioned, this, I mentioned this on Leafs Talk tonight. Sheldon Keefe is a winner in the regular season. He wins regular season games. This is what that guy does. He's got one of the best winning percentages of any coach in NHL history. I just don't think sentimentality is going to come into play too much here for the goaltenders. And yeah, you've let in four more in six-year 13 starts. Martin Jones let it happen one time. I don't think that they're going to care about his age. I don't think that they're going to care that one guy opened the season as the first string goaltender and the other guy opened it as the third stringer. I think that they're going to probably side with not as much of a split. Maybe Martin Jones ends up actually taking the net. So that's going to be the test for Samsonov. Hey, buddy, keep less than four out of the net. He's had the one shutout against Nashville, right? The first game that he came back, performed adequately, was fine. At least mostly kept all pressure off of their goaltender. He hasn't had any of those other 13 starts with a shutout or even one goal against. Just something. Small and quiet number. Last, quiet stat. This is kind of stupid to say that this is a quiet stat, but I really feel like this has actually been understated, underrated, whatever you want to say. Austin Matthews has 25 goals in 28 games. And maybe it's because we've already celebrated this team and all their individual accomplishments in the regular season that this isn't a bigger deal, but that's a pace for 73 goals. His career high is 60. And the way that he's playing right now, the way that he's shooting right now, you got to think that he's cracking the 60. I don't think he's hitting 73 goals, okay? I don't, I don't think that this is the, the early 90s, all right? I don't think that there's going to be goaltenders staying in the net that, you know, get one pump fake and then slide out of the net in their road hockey gear, okay? I don't think he's getting 70. But I think he's going to end up cracking 60. And it should be noted that, you know, our next guest, his former teammate, Alex Ovechkin, through 509 games, which is what Austin Matthews has now played in his career, Ovechkin had the same amount of goals. So there's some just quiet stats to start your day. Anyways, it's uh, Justin Williams, three-time Stanley Cup champion. This is the best stat ever. It's like, he's got a Conn Smythe, which is incredible, but eight and one in game sevens. Most points in game sevens. The Mr. Clutch himself. Good morning, buddy. How we doing? Good morning. I'm doing great. How are you? I'm doing all right. Does that surprise you a little bit when I mean, you hear that stat? Matthews has as many goals through 509 as Ovechkin? me.
1: I think so. Yeah, you said it and, you yeah, know, made it. me think. That definitely just makes you think, wow, right? Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. And, uh, and, you know, we always revere, you know, Alex is probably the best goal scorer ever. I know he's probably the best goal scorer I've ever played with, probably that I've ever seen. Um but I mean you gotta give you know props where props is due and uh Austin Matthews is a very unique shot, unique release, just like Alex Ovechkin has a very unique, powerful one timer and they've they've found ways to put gold in the back of a
0: net. Um I will say this though, this should come with a caveat. Before you go spouting the stat off to people, like, hey, did you know that Austin Matthews and I, like, I think I did the numbers right, but I'm not a numbers guy. <laughs> you know, like I, just, a, just a quick note of caution. You might go out there in the world and someone, like, actually checks it quickly, and they're like, no, it's not even remotely true, actually. <laughs> it's like, who told you this? And then you got to be like, well, oh, this idiot in Toronto, he's just lying. <laughs> he's just a liar.
1: <laughs> Forgot to carry the
0: wand. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's, like, it's, it's very straightforward stuff, but I, I still – I wouldn't put my life on it, okay? Like, I wouldn't if, – if they were like, yeah. hey, life or death. What's it going to be? I'd be like, pass, 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 pass. Um, okay, so...
1: Let's just be satisfied with their very, very good goal score. Yeah,
0: that's that's basically the the gist here. But you know what? It is kind of weird. Like, this, this market, we've nitpicked the Leafs to death this season because everybody has such high expectations. And, yeah, Matthews did. He's had a bit of a weird year where he scored a bunch of multi-goal games. He's had a couple of hat tricks. And then there's been some... There was a lull period for him where he basically didn't score for, I think, seven of them. And... People went, oh my God, what's happening here? Now you just kind of look up at it and it's like, okay, all right, 25 and and 28. Maybe I get a little bit of the the stuff when it comes to media and the pressures of this market. Um, But I want to ask you about Ovi because you did play with the guy. And I was was talking to someone yesterday that wrote this big article about his start to the season. You're aware with what's going on with him right now, right? Correct. Okay, so yeah, it's for those that don't, he's got one five-on-five goal this year, three on a goaltender, five overall in 28 games, and he's gone 13 games without a goal. Um, you played with the guy. Do you think that he will chase this record no matter what? Like, do you think that he has the makeup where this means so much to him that he'll go into his 40s, even if it means that, you know, he's, he's chipping away at this thing slowly? I do think that there's going to be a lot of positive regression here. Like, a lot of the numbers are saying it's shooting percentages, it's power play numbers that are unsustainable, that he probably will finish with, you know, 25-plus goals this year. But that, that still puts him pretty far off the pace when he's going to be entering his age 39 season.
1: Yes. Uh, yes. And I'm, I'm obviously completely aware of, of, of what's going on and, and I've watched some of the games obviously, um, and, and seeing him and it just like, he, he was able to, you know, in, in previous years, a little bit more, uh, impact the game, just not on the power play. Right. Like mm-hmm. he would, people, people, people just assume cause they see the highlights. They see him scoring one-timers all the time, but, but, there were a lot of other. There were a lot of other times he scored goals from in front of the net, from second efforts, from hitting a guy, turning a puck over, from going to the net, tipping one in. Like those opportunities still um, happened for him, and they just don't seem to be happening this year, um, for you know whatever reason, whatever it may be. But um, to answer your other question about, you know, will he chase it? Um, I, I mean, obviously, it's it's a discussion right now, but it, it, it seems to me like, yes, I mean, he signed that contract for a reason. You know, mm-hmm. he wants to be there. He wants to be the best goal scorer of all time. Of course he wants that. But, um, you know, if things get so bad that he's just, you know what, I, I don't feel great on the ice, and, and, you know, the body tells you something else, sometimes you got to listen. And, um, you know, I don't think it's, you know, this year, next year, but but at some point, if, if this is still lagging and then the production is just not there and he's just not uh f- feeling it uh body wise because there's a lot of miles on that and a lot of hard miles mm-hmm. um you know ovi uh <laughs> ovi ovi uh, is the hard is a hard guy and, and 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 plays hard and a lot of hits on that body so eventually it wears down a little bit i mean i hope it's not and and i hope he does go on to to, to score 10 goals in the next 10 games and kind of rejuvenate himself just um not really at the hurricane's expense if he plays them
0: Yeah, I I think there was a couple assumptions that we made that might have been a little wrong. One is that it was like, okay, he's always going to have these power play numbers, like they're always going to be there. And so that alone should be able to get into the record. Now I'm not as certain about that, um, especially given some of the other guys that are on that power play. Two is that, all right, he's 38, but I, I think a lot of us were basically just always looking at him saying, he'll be New Yager. He's just, he's such a big, forceful player. He'll find a way. But you said it, he's so much more physical and those miles are so much harder that I, I don't feel that same confidence anymore. I just wondered, hey, whatever. I feel like when he goes back to Russia, he's got a team of like 84 doctors that are working on his body every single summer to get him right, right back in shape to make sure that he's good to go. But yeah, I, yeah, the hard mileage that you talk about, I do wonder how that's going to start to wear on him as seasons go on. And especially as it's like, yeah, age 39 season and you're in game 43 of the regular season and you're trying to chase this goal record, and it's, it's, it's still looking like another maybe year away, that, that's when I start to f- wonder if it's ever going to happen.
1: Well, they play, they, teams are starting to play a lot differently too. Like you look at good penalty kills, and, and you could see when he played against us, I mean, we were basically just taking him out of the equation. Right. And, and, and I think, obviously, that's a big point to it, right? You, you get on the penalty kill against Washington, you're like, don't let him beat you. Okay. That's, that's, that's the goal. Don't let him beat you. If somebody else beats you, that's okay. Okay. We don't love it, but don't let him beat you. And, and teams are really, really taking that away. They're playing more of a diamond against the, against the one three, one power plays that are going on right now. And, um, just, just really putting more emphasis on, on him not being there. And a lot of times you can just look at him sometimes and he's just standing there with a guy right next to him and, you know, completely, you know, what the heck am I doing? So, um fours sometimes turn into four on threes when he's on the ice and um you know teams are teams are being smart and, and doing their best to make sure he does not he does he's not the one that hurts them
0: so you're a carolina guy you're still with the team but you, you're popping up on television you're popping up on shows like this one you're dipping your toe you know like you're taking you're, you're checking the temperature on the media stuff what what's what why now
1: well, I think just the whole basis of it is, is when you retire from hockey, you got to figure out what you want to do when you grow up. Yeah. And uh, you know, I've been a hockey player my whole life, and and I've been fortunate here that uh, you know, in the two years that I've I've been retired, um, I'm able to dip my toe in a lot of things, and and a lot of opportunities have arisen where I can kind of you know ease my way into. And, and into a direction that I want to go. And I'm enjoying the media stuff. I'm enjoying the, the advising stuff for Carolina. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm enjoying coaching my son's 15 uh, year old team. I mean, there's, there's things that are, uh, that are, that are really, I'm able to do a lot more now, now that I'm not playing anymore. And to be quite honest, I'm just a lot more busier than I am now than I ever was playing mm-hmm. hockey. I was always told where to be and, and what time practice is and when the plane is. And, and, and now it's all on me, but, uh, I'm. Uh, I'm finding there's not enough time in the day
0: sometimes. Yeah, I I got a a little offering for you if if you'd like to hear it. <laughs> You've seen what consultants make, right? <laughs> it's a nice job. Uh, well, what consultants? Any, that, buddy. That's the beauty of consultants is that it's just like you have to be an expert on something, and then they go okay. But then a lot of times, like from my experience, anyways, no offense to consultants listening to the show. No offense. No offense. No offense. In my experience, I've met a lot of consultants where it's like, that's what you did? Like, all right, that's not that, all right, fine, I guess so, okay, whatever, let's listen to this person. That's their fee, that's pretty nice. I think you should just be a Clutch consultant. I think that you should just go team to team, you know, town to town, knocking on doors and telling people what you think about Clutch and consult them on that and then charge an exorbitant fee for you to basically give some series. The, The problem with this plan, though, I will admit, is that because I'm giving you this idea I want you to give me kind of what you think it is for free, you know, and don't worry, we'll, <laughs> we'll drop this part from the podcast. But seriously, you, <laughs> you, you are, man, like you're, you are Mr. Game seven. And it's like, this isn't even just, you know, some people always point to playoff stuff and say like, Hey, small sample size. Some guys have had luck, but no, like you look at your game winning goals throughout your career. Like you've always just had a big time sense of the moment. And so this is kind of vague and big. And I've asked this to other people who seem to have it, but what like when you're looking back on it now, and you've had a little bit of space, do, do you feel like there was something about you that put you at an advantage in those spots? Like, what is clutch to you?
1: Mm-mm. I I don't know if there's something that put me at a an advantage. I think the advantage was the teams that I was on. I was on some pretty damn good teams, and and we were able to rise to the occasion. We had, we just we just we had just a, a lot of a lot of gamers. Um, you know, and, that, and that's a hard word to describe, right? What's a gamer? You know, guys who are able to to block out the bad thoughts in your head and just go out and get it. Um, I mean, that was my main thing when I was playing these games. I said, you know what, okay, I, I, I know I'm not the best player on the ice, but for this game, I'm going to pretend that I am. And I want to be the guy. And if I make a mistake, it's okay, okay? but I'm going to want to be the guy to make the difference today. I'm not going to be scared uh, for the moment and I'm going to try my best to go and get it. And, um, you know, listen, things worked out for me um, for my teams and and, in a lot of instances where our backs are up against the wall. And, um, you know, I'm very proud of that now that I'm retired and I can reflect on it. But do you think that like you, so it
0: sounds like you were actually saying that you were able to coach yourself before these games even started, that would actually help you get into that moment. Because the, the consensus you usually hear from people is that they want to be like, I don't want to think about it, that it's just nothing has changed, nothing is different.
1: Yeah, well, that, I think that's, that's a wrong way to approach it, definitely. I mean, <laughs> you're not playing this game like, you know, a game seven, like any regular game. Like, you're just, you're just not, you know. And I don't think that's the right approach to have it, right? And, you know, my my thing was, right, you always see things twice, right? You see things once in your brain, okay, and then hopefully you see it actually happening on the ice. And, um, I think visualization, the power of, of, of thought are, are two things that are really becoming, um, more used in the NHL where guys are working on their physical body and working on their mental game as well. See, I like this though, because again, there, there does seem
0: to be, uh, more of a consensus of the let don't overthink it, you know, don't grip the stick too tight. And it feels like actually maybe one of your advantages was that you did have a deeper appreciation for that moment and that, that that did help you focus in a little bit more. And I would say this, too, is like this is me reading off of some of what you're saying. But if that's the case, then I would think that you could teach someone to be a gamer.
1: Um, I think you can teach certain parts of it. But I mean, listen, that, that's the hardest part of it. If you go to a golf event, right, and you watch the guys in the range, I mean, who looks different? Right. Everybody's got a swing, and everybody pierces the ball, and everybody can hit every shot in the bag. But when they go out on the course, okay, that's where it changes. Like, right? can you hit the shot when you need to? Can you make the putt when you need to? Can you, um, you know, can you can you just rise to the moment and and hit the shots that you know you can over and over and over again? And it's the same thing for every sport, right? Can you hit the game winning three? You know, can you can you make the play when it matters? When there's a guy in your face. When the pressure's on, and then you just can't be scared to take your shot. Well, what
0: do you think it would say then if one certain team, you know, since 2017 has only been able to close one series? I'd say they do. Okay, okay. So, oh wow, so you're like, hey, can you go out and can you execute it? Because on the range, this particular golfer is nasty, <laughs> you know? If you were to combine this into on the range, in the regular season range, oh my God, you should see him. <laughs> ball striker, gorgeous swing, you know, it's just, it's lovely to watch. You're thinking maybe long drive competition, <laughs> but then yeah, the actual big pots struggling a little bit. Uh, and I just, yeah, I don't know if you can teach that out of someone or if there is a certain accumulation of scar tissue that ends up happening where it's just, it's harder to focus in the way that you did or block out the failure the way that you probably didn't yeah. experience
1: as much. And I know you didn't. Yeah, no, no, I mean, listen, yes, there is, there is, scar tissue that, that is there. Right. And it uh, makes it even harder. Right. Obviously when you have success a little bit earlier, it, it, you know, every snowball starts from a little, little tiny one. Right. And, uh, you know, it can accumulate and it can accumulate both ways. Um, so obviously yes, it's easier when you've had success early, um you know just like you score a goal in the first game of the season you're like okay now I'm on a roll now I can get rolling mm-hmm. as opposed to not scoring the first 12 games and now all of a sudden you think about it more now it becomes an issue right and you know that might be where Toronto is now being like okay I'm assuming that you have a new name by name but I'm assuming that's who you're talking about here. So be, um, uh, you little... make
0: your own assumptions you draw your own conclusions <laughs> to who we're talking about in this conversation it's a Rorschach test
1: <laughs> yeah, so obviously there is a little bit of scar tissue there that you got to just, you know, bleed off and, and keep brushing away and um, you know, they get they got a heck of a team and everybody knows that. And yeah. um, you know, they're a team that is that is uh um, you know, people I'm not going to say scared to play, but uh if they had their choice, they probably wouldn't want to play them. Mhm. Yeah, again, there's
0: a lot of talent. It's just Yeah, when you see something over and over and over again materialize, like, there's some trends where you go, okay, there's probably something to this, right? Like, there's a reason why you get the moniker of Mr. Game 7 is because you go 8-1 and in the Game 7s. And then when you go, you know, not 8-1 and in the Game 7s, and it's kind of the opposite in the series for you, yeah, I think that it's fair for people to go, well, hey, maybe this is actually more of a thing now that we're accumulating more and more of a sample of it. Um, But yeah, when you did play them in 2017, and yeah, they... Like it, they played fast, they played free. They were up and coming. They weren't supposed to be there. They they actually did push you guys. Could you have ever imagined that? Like this is where they would be. Like I'm sure at some point when you were looking at them, you thought, man, these guys are gonna be a wagon for a really long time. And again,
1: regular season wise, they have been. Yeah, there was no doubt. We played them in Washington, and in, well, in, uh, you said it was 2017. Yeah. yeah, I mean it was that. That was I think three overtimes, a really close series, and mm-hmm. and. It's exactly what I thought. I said, "Wow, this team, this team is good because they were young at the time. were expected to push us, pushed us. You know, like it was, it was something." And um, you know, listen, they've run some really good teams themselves, right? It's not like they've lost the champs. You know, they, they lose, they lose to the teams that end up going uh, almost the whole way, and mm-hmm. sometimes the whole way. So, um, you know, the way things are set up, sometimes is some really good second round matchups that might. Should have, you know, been played later on. And um, But, listen, a really good team. And, 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 you know, I think Toronto should still have a really good optimism about them.
0: I will say that if you are Mr. Clutch, you know, you lost two overtime games to the team that's supposedly the least clutch.
1: that? <laughs> yeah. The <laughs>
0: Leafs. That's you lost. You guys lost two <laughs> overtime games to them that season. Yeah, that right. it, it, it's sort of the yeah. one. It's basically the one hole in your resume. Is it's just like, man, look. I mentioned all those stats. I went over those numbers, but it's just like you put it all together at the end of the day, and you're like, what's this? And it's like 2017. Justin <laughs> Williams lost twice I in think overtime. It was
1: scored two yeah. in yeah. overtime. Yeah, exactly. And maybe Bozek. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know.
0: Yeah. Something like that. <laughs> exactly. Just, those ones are tough, though. You know, like that's at least minus one of those eight and one in game sevens. So, you know, it's more. <laughs> like seven and one (laughs) since you lost those two to the Leafs um okay so at the end of your career though you know you're age 38 and you're getting courted by a couple of teams it makes sense that you went back to Carolina and like you're there now you clearly have roots there and yeah you you, there's there's a very deep tie-in for you but were you close with the Leafs like did like did you really consider you know what I'm a Cobra guy maybe I do this thing maybe I join that team
1: um, well, I mean, there has to be a two way street, right? There, there has to be, you know, Hey, I'm interested and you know, you can't just be like, Hey, I want that girl to be my girlfriend, but she doesn't like you. You oh, know, so there's, there's gotta be a two way street, right? There's so gotta be a two way street. And, and you know, right when I was kind of, when I semi retired a little bit and, you know, I, I had, I had thought about it. We had discussions, um, and it, did, it just didn't, it didn't happen. But, um, you know, when I look back at my career, yes, I would have, you know, Perhaps like to have played for a Canadian team, that's for sure. Uh, you know, it didn't happen. I'm, I'm not losing any sleep over it, but uh, I think it's something that uh, that uh, you know almost you know it's not for everybody, but I think it's 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 something that everybody should experience playing in the Canadian team.
0: So it sounds like you know they talked to you, and then you reciprocated the interest, and then at more closer to the 11th hour, they were like, yeah, thanks, but no thanks.
1: <laughs> well listen there's there's discussions all the time that that uh that happen, and um you know it just it just you know it just didn't come to fruition and and you know that's fine <laughs> but, yeah. uh you know i don't I don't look back with any regret in my life, but uh um you know playing for a Canadian team would have been nice yeah because right,
0: I was gonna when you you must have thought you must have taken a long hard look at like where the team was at and how you would fit in and what you could have brought there. And, yeah, it just, it seemed, at the time, again, for a team that was looking to get over the hump, even to just have, like, I really do believe in the power of this, and I, and I do think that this is a something, was to bring a winner into a locker room. And especially this, I felt like this was something that the least lost when Jake Muzzin kept getting hurt, was that there was a vacuum of a guy that had been there and done it before that could have preached that kind of message that we were talking about when we were discussing Clutch earlier.
1: Yeah, I think that that's actually a, a, a really strong point that, I thought when Jake Mosin went there, that was a really, really good, smart signing. Um, it it really does help when you just look around and be like, this guy's won, like this guy's won, like we're we're not alone here. Like I, I, it just brings that just that extra element to the dressing room that maybe you need, right? Because the margin of error and the margin of difference between winning and losing in this day and age it is so small it's that it's that little extra one percent it's that little extra second effort it's that whatever it is the, the mentality um but he was uh he was a player that unfortunately that you know hasn't played for a while and, and looks like might be done but um you know he he was a, he was i think he was a really good pickup for for toronto and you know they have tried to bring guys in ryan o'reilly that you know have this experience um but let, let's be honest Rounds that a lot of experiences themselves now um i wouldn't say they're um a young team they're a team that's like right in the window right now and expectations are high and um i think uh you know, you know i guess to answer your question yes I, I think it's important to have guys like that in the room, but it's not the end all be all
0: yeah no i think that's it is that if you're trying to pin it as okay that's the reason you're gonna win uh yeah duh that you're gonna you're gonna drop the ball you want to have talent but to me, it's like you got to have a little bit of that blend. And for a team that had been through it that many times and when you were available, I guess I'm a little surprised that they weren't a little bit more forceful with trying to bring you in given that, yeah, um, this was something that they had kind of failed to accomplish over and over again and whatever. they They brought in other vets, but they also did bring in a lot of vets that hadn't won and that had a lot of track record of kind of getting close and then not really closing the deal. And, and I I'll always look back on this and wonder, hey, how, how much of that mentality did seep in in those moments? How much of that part of it, again, if we're all agreeing that there's a, a portion of it that does matter. Like, and this is a life thing, too. you know, If you're with someone who's just a winner, you feel like you're going to go into whatever it is, like your pitch meeting, and you're going to do better, right? Like you'd be playing any type of sport, and if you feel like, oh, crap, our team has this guy on it, and he's had this type of success— Maybe this will, you know, rub off on somebody even just a little bit. And so, yeah, I would say that that's a that's a bit of a miss if that was, yeah, not appreciated enough. I guess maybe
1: is the way to close it. Oh well, I mean, thank you for the uh, <laughs> thank you for that. But uh, I mean, listen, as I said, it it, it, it was there. I'm not going to get too much into it. Sure. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, there was there was interest on both sides. It didn't happen, and uh, I'm you know I've, my last few years here in carolina were 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 great we made it to a conference finals mm-hmm. um you know but uh and and you know i'm very proud of of the relationships that i've cultivated here and i'm i'm hoping that uh you know this team here that i'm working with now can um can get over help them, hump themselves because that's what mm-hmm. they're kind of we're looking to do ex- exactly as well right yeah. made made some jumps not a young team anymore just a team that is in the win now mode and um you know hopefully uh hopefully it
0: happens here I will say on the behalf of Canada, we think you guys have had enough in Carolina. You know, <laughs> you've had enough. You can you can chill out for a while. It's fine. <laughs> you guys you guys can have a little bit of a down period, you know. We're sick of seeing the pigs and the, you know, we're good. You know, you guys go suck for a while. <laughs> you guys go be terrible. Let a Canadian team win. Stop stealing stuff from Canada. Hey, man, this was really fun. Uh, again, congrats on everything. And I, I do hope that, yeah, the media stuff, your son, the stuff with the, the Canes, like all of it continues to be a success. And I, I do appreciate the time today. My pleasure. Thank you. Take care. Uh, Justin Williams, again, Mr. Game 7. I actually think that was a really interesting answer about the clutch stuff. Because I was expecting him to be more, you got to enter the flow state. You got to try to block everything out of your mind. You got to try and, you know, not too much, put too much emphasis on it. And one of the most successful guys that we've ever seen in the sport. Again, most points in Game 7s, 8-1 and in Game 7s, A con Smythe, three cups. Like that's, you know, before you get your back up, you start saying, wow, it's one guy. I'm just saying that if you're reading into that answer, that there is a way, actually, there's a way you could interpret that that would make you feel a little bit more frustrated about some of the performances that you've seen. I don't think that that works for everybody. Like you, you know, without directly calling guys out, You could say that, you could guess, there's certain players that need to feel a bit less of the pressure and there's maybe some guys that have needed to play with a little bit more urgency. I'll let you be the ones to decide listening to this who you think that may or may not be. But damn, that's like, I would have just wanted that kind of perspective around a room. I think it would have been valuable to say, you know, when he was available to Leafs, I just always assumed that he spurned Toronto, that he said, you know what, no. Uh, I'm not doing this. And I get it. Like this team had brought in lots of vets and most of the time, given their age, it really hadn't worked out. And, but for a team that already had that much skill, I don't think that the, what they were looking for at the time was a player that was going to come in and, and be the the closer. But I do think having someone that could have been around that would have said, this is how I've gotten things done. And this is how I've won and having the confidence of being able to actually execute that winning plan. Seems pretty valuable. Seems, again, like a, a bit of a miss, missed opportunity there. And yeah, they've had other guys who have won, right? Not to that degree. Like, I, I do think that that was a part of Jake Muslim, but yeah, he couldn't stay healthy during the playoffs. And then, yeah, it sucks, but his career was ended early because of those injuries. And now, now it does feel a little bit like, you know, it was great that they brought in Ryan O'Reilly last year, and I think we did see a lot of that you know, winning experience and the value of it when they brought it in with the Leafs last year. But now I do feel as though it's, it's not too late. But now to me, it's not about any vet that you bring in or any former winner that you bring in unless they can have like a, a real impact because all the kids have all grown up and now they're fully formed. So yeah, it's more about uh, the counseling now. <laughs> you know, they're looking back and complaining about what could have been different. Anyways, uh, I was good. Take a quick break. Uh, I do have Robert Murray today. Again, I mentioned it. I'm going to talk about some of the potential moves that the Blue Jays could make. But before I talk to him, I wonder if some of the pressure is off right now for the Toronto Blue Jays. And also, the Denver Nuggets are in town tonight. And say what you will about the Raptors. Nice to have Jokic and the defending champs in town. I got a few thoughts on that as well. Quick break, we'll be back. All right. I've seen some people get a little mad at me about being down on this Raptors team and that I should be giving more credit to the Scotty Barnes emergence. Sorry, I just say it the way I see it. I call it the way I see it. And that uh, it's great. Scotty Barnes has definitely taken a step and that it's a huge development for this team. I genuinely believe that he has even... He's he's absolutely surpassed my expectations of this year. Like last year was was tough for Barnes. It was. It, it cast a lot of doubt over this franchise as to what the hell was going to happen if Scotty Barnes just ended up being uh, a really good starter, but not an actual driver, not an actual all star. And and now he's showing. That's, that's what he could be. I went over some of the problems that I have with that, but ultimately it's just like the reason why I feel like the Raptors are so unwatchable is that there's so much carryover from year over year over year that the collective scar tissue of watching the same players be unhappy for the, what, this is now three seasons in a row where nobody's been on the same page, where their head coach now left. We all blamed him and the vibes are still off with the group, right? That Fred Van Vliet left, we said, "Well, vibes will be back with his team." It's like, no, they don't look like a happy team. They're not an enjoyable watch. They don't play with joy. They have Scotty Barnes. That's what you're watching for. And then some nights where Siakam is brilliant. Outside of that, it's it's it like you know you're finding really tough, 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 tough watches in here, and some just putrid performances that they've had in this season. And I think that even some of the wins that they've had have been really overrated. Like the Suns win, everyone's like, well, no one saw this coming. None of you were watching Phoenix then. Phoenix sucks. (laughs) The the Suns are terrible. They somehow have less depth than the Raptors. They're looking at the Raptors and going, we'd kill for that depth. Precious Jua, he's our third best guy. (laughs) Malachi Flynn, we'd love to have him. Please, send him over to Phoenix. Give us some support for Kevin Durant. But I was was thinking not to not to get further down on the raps. But part of the reason that I've even been more frustrated is that this kick the can down the road strategy that they've had has not just been a bad watch. It's just not. It's not about hey, me as a fan watching these games has been more annoying to watch the Raptors. Oh, it's it's just harder to see the same guys and the vibes. But this accumulation of it with the team to the point now where it's like OG and an OB could be a free agent, and I still unless they have had like quiet conversations with his agent and his people about don't worry this is the the framework of what a deal is and they're certain that he wants to be there like this is a wildly risky maneuver that they're taking this is a very 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 difficult path to be taking and and I don't I'm sorry I don't I don't trust Masai Ujiri anymore I don't know what else you want me to say like he won a great championship in 2019 I think he was justified in not selling all of the pieces in 2020 but I think his inability to act and his you know over reliance on that sentimentality of that championship group and the, the way that he and the Raptors have basically just said, Hey, like we get, we brought a title here. So trust us, trust us with no matter what, trust us, no matter what, no matter how many, many bad moves we make, how many times we act slowly, trust us, trust us, trust us, that that has run thin with me, especially given this approach. And I, I say this now more today because it's now NBA trade rumor season, okay? We're into December. We're before the NBA's official real kickoff time, which is the Christmas Day game, right? There's the season opener, and now there's the in-season tournament, which Armin's so proud of his Lakers that they raised the banner that was equal to now another championship for L.A. Wow, what a win for the Lakers. Hang the banner. One, one
2: more yep. than the C's now.
0: Yep, exactly. Yeah, he stole all of the Minneapolis banners, too. It's just like, there's no shame with the Lakers. Uh, You look at this and say, all right, trade season's kicking up. Who are the names that are out there? There was a little moment where it was just the Raptors, right? It was, hey, maybe Keegan Murray and maybe the Sacramento Kings, and this was some Sam Amick reporting. And now I'm seeing Sam Amick go, you know what? They're not so in on O.G. and They're looking at the price, and they're saying... So wait, we got to give up a ton of assets and then we got to pay this guy a ton of money too. It's a lot. Can't we just try to go over the top in free agency the way the Rockets did?
2: That was before Keegan Murray tied the record, but but that's almost tied the record for threes. But this is
0: what I'm saying is I, I'm seeing some stuff of, and who knows the way these things operate, right? Like how, who leaks what and why something's leaked. I don't think that the Raptors are leaking the Sacramento stuff, right? But Amic is pretty plugged in. He's a West Coast guy. I'm sure he does have a good pulse and he's got some people there. But again, a lot of the rumor stuff is playing the game, all right? It's playing the game and it's trying to shape fan opinion. And it, it you always have to look at, A, it's pretty easy to figure out who would have leaked something. And there's a reason for the Kings to leak something like that. Like, oh, we're not that interested in you. We're, you know, you're playing it like a flirtation where you go, oh, you know, you ignore a girl's text. You start texting her back a little slower. All of a sudden, her texts start coming in a little faster. Just saying. So. Maybe it's a part of this, but I'm just looking at the trade landscape right now. And all of a sudden, Donovan Mitchell's name is out there. Okay, All of a sudden, everybody is talking about how there could be multiple suitors for Donovan Mitchell. And I'm like, huh. Well, that's a problem. Because that is some destinations that might be willing to move on a Siakam type or some destinations that might be willing to move on an OG that are now in the business of potentially looking at a Donovan Mitchell. I also saw that it was reported. I don't want to say reported. Aggregated. Aggregated is the way to put it. Because I saw this on social media yesterday that Bill Simmons did a podcast saying the most likely player that he sees being traded that's a star at the deadline is DeJounte Murray. And that the Atlanta Hawks might move off of that player. I went, huh, okay. So now we're talking about a market that could have, by my count, from what we've seen in terms of rumored players, Donovan Mitchell, DeJounte Murray, Bill Simmons pretty, re- like, say, whatever you want to say. I know some people aren't big fans, whatever. The guy knows a lot of stuff. If he's saying someone's the most likely player to be traded, I'm guessing that he's basing that off of some type of, valued information that's not just being that's done with like hey i'm not reporting this i'm not reporting that he's being shopped but also i've heard conversations with the league that this guy is available at the right price that's the way i'm choosing to interpret this it's pretty clear that utah is completely open for business and that lori markinen at some point in time is potentially going to be moved into trade like he's been out there for a while and it's danny ainge okay so that's three other stars that are now going to be on the market heading into a deadline where the Raptors have to make a decision. Then you pair that with the report of Masai going, well, actually, maybe we're going to resign Siakam. I'm like, actually, that's making more sense now because what did Masai Ujiri say after the trade deadline last year? We felt as though the deals that we were offered last year will be offered to us during the offseason. But then they didn't make any deals during the offseason. And now we are into the regular season, and now we are approaching another deadline, which is only a couple months away, by the way, right? Like, this isn't worlds away. Now we're working under another deadline with the Toronto Raptors where we're being sold the promise of, don't worry, this thing will get figured out, even though we saw this play out with Fred VanVleet where he walked away for nothing. And the only reason that that PR spin ends up working is because that Clippers leak where people went, hey, the Clippers weren't willing to give anything up for Fred VanVleet. And I'm like, yeah, because it was at the deadline. (laughs) Because they waited until the 11th hour. And then when they decided, oh, wow, we actually might lose this player for nothing... The rest of the league knew it too, and they said, yeah, we're not going to give you anything for the same reason as you could look at with OG. Another team might be able to come over the top with an incredible offer and is saying, why are we going to part with significant assets when we feel like we could just be as competitive for him in the open market with a massive contract extension? So all I'm saying is that all of a sudden, the pressure has completely ramped up on the OG thing to me, where you go, huh, maybe... If there was a trade offer from New Orleans that involved three first round picks, like I, I love, you know, I, I love Blake Murphy. I love his reporting and I like his work. He wrote this piece that I read the other day um, about different guys that the Raptors should be kind of trying to target in shopping, right? The dudes that haven't had a full breakout yet. And I went through that list and I really said to myself, pretty much everyone on that list would be, it would it would be insane for their teams to be giving up those players for an OG run at this point. Like, I don't, I don't see that. Maybe, sorry, quickly was on the list. I went, yeah, if I was the Knicks, I would probably do that one. But like, Trey Murphy? No way. Are you kidding? I'm not doing that. If I'm New Orleans, why would I do that? Plus, more stuff? No way. No freaking way. Maybe this ends up being completely wrong. Maybe the Raptors end up pulling off a haul. Maybe, you know, someone else does view it where they go, we want to get our foot in the door. We want to make sure that this thing gets done early. But it just, ugh, I'm a little, I'm, I'm, I mean, I was already nervous. I think if you're a Raptors fan, you should have been nervous all along. I know some of you just want to watch the game and you want to enjoy watching Scottie Barnes, but I want to see them build a competitive team around Scottie Barnes. And the first round pick from this year, you're going to give it time because it's his first year in the NBA, but it's pretty tough when you're in the G League and this Raptors team is the state that they are and you've got a developmental coach that you brought in, right? Like, it's not exactly the most encouraging start, The other guy that they brought in from this year is five foot eight, five foot seven. I don't think he's the second coming of Mighty Mouse. There's not a lot of other young talent here that is like really making you feel super bold about what the Raptors prospects are moving forward here. So you gotta bring in some other young pieces around this team that fit and that work, okay? And feeling the pressure of the market where now there are a lot of other available options and the team might look at you and say, yeah, why are we going to sacrifice this many assets for Seattle when well, maybe we want to get in on the Donovan Mitchell sweepstakes.
2: And Donovan's under contract for, another for year. next year. So yeah. that makes a difference.
0: And, but as I'm saying, especially considering that part of the consideration of even trading for Donovan Mitchell right now is like, well, will he resign with your team? Because that's why Cleveland wants to move off of him is they don't think that they're going to be able to resign him. So he's probably bound for a destination like one of the New York teams. The Knicks will probably be in on him again. I don't know how much that makes sense if I'm a Knicks fan right now. I don't know how excited I am at the prospect of getting Donovan Mitchell, given what we have right now. I would rather wait, keep the powder dry for something else. But, you know, if you're Brooklyn and you got all those picks from the trades and all those pieces from Phoenix or whatever, it's like why wouldn't you be in on Donovan Mitchell? Like that seems to make sense. I don't know if that was ever a destination for OG or for Siakam. They've already got a lot of wings. So that would probably be the best case scenario is that they jump in and they pay a high price for him. All I'm saying is that between Markkanen, potentially DeJounte Murray, and, yeah,
2: Spider. And Zach Levine, too. hasn't gone.
0: Sure. <laughs> you don't
2: consider him a star?
0: I don't think anybody's paying a high. I don't think that there's a single team in the NBA that's excited to trade for Zach Levine. I think that a Zach Levine trade... L- listen, I, I've said that I've maintained the same position all along. Like, the Bulls lost Zach Levine and they started winning more games. Zach Levine is, incre- is paid very, 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 very much money. He, is, he's, he makes a lot, dude. To make a Zach Levine trade work for your organization, I don't think that you have to part with all that many assets. That one, like, and, and where's the fit? Where, where do I want to see Zach Levine play? I, I can't figure out what that destination is. It's like, all right, maybe what, Miami? For if you're doing, like, what?
2: I don't do really want to be the guy, but I honestly do think he fits with the Lakers. And get it. he's an upgrade yeah, was... over D'Angelo Russell.
0: That's what it is. I think that you would be ruining this take. Ruining. You would be. I would be clipping this for you. And then every night, <laughs> Zach Levine looked off LeBron to take a contested three. You would go, I don't know if this, you, like he's, to me, he's springy D'Angelo Russell. <laughs> like he's just springier, bigger D'Angelo Russell. He just plays no defense. And like, again, his his track record is everywhere he goes, he loses. Unless it's a dunk competition. Anyway, uh, whatever. I just, I don't view him as in the same tier of players that I'm putting Siakam G in the other three. I think that, that, that Zach Levine is uh, available. And he's, you could probably get him for pretty cheap. It's actually the other guys on the Bulls that... I would worry about in terms of if you were a team going would I rather give up a bunch of assets for OG or for Alex Caruso. Like which one of these things is going to be easier to accomplish plus contracts plus you know it's just this is the problem with always saying always promising that the future is going to be better or holding on to your pieces is that there's a downside too. It can look patient. It can look like what you're doing is not being bullied around and you know everyone's Cheering because the Raptors didn't make a trade. They didn't want to make a trade. What, would you want them to make a bad deal? It's like, they might end up having to make a worse deal. Last year at the deadline, they were basically, they had a captive audience. They were the team with the players. Now, they're another year down the road. It hasn't worked out at all. The energy around the team is just as bad as it was before. And yet, you have less term on these guys' contracts You have a real inflexible situation with OG and Anobi. You've got a difficult situation with your superstar and Pascal Siakam. And you're entering what could be a more crowded market full of stars. All I'm saying is that this is going to be a tightrope walk for Masai Ujiri. Okay? Anyway, the whole point of this was that Denver Nuggets are in town. And that, for me, one of the biggest, this is actually a huge OG trade value game. Okay? If you're getting in the OG trade, which I know some people don't even want to entertain he has had a really good track record against Nikolai Jokic. He has made him work. Nikolai Jokic, you're never going to shut down, you know? He's never going to have a and going to be like, wow, Jokic only had seven, four, and eight tonight? No. But OG and Anobi has always looked really good against him. And I wonder if they're going to try to put a lot of Pirtle and go, yeah, well, we paid all this money for Pirtle. He better defend Nikolai Jokic. But if OG can showcase that again, like showcase night for OG of, hey, go out there and lock up the best player in the NBA. I would have to think that's the thing that gets the Sacramentos back to the table is where you go, okay, you know what? We're not in on Donovan Mitchell. We don't need DeJounte Murray. What we need is a guy who can come in here, knock down a three, and defend the best player on earth. That's the case. So tonight, kind of want to see it. I kind of want to see OG play a lot of defense on Nikolai Jokic, the MVP. The best player in the NBA, the defending champion, and show just exactly what he can do when, yeah, he sinks those tree trunk legs into the floor and forces uh, a tougher matchup that I like I don't I don't need to see Pertle do it, okay? Like I've seen Pertle do it with San Antonio. He gets barbecued. It's it's he's not gonna do anything. Uh anyway, um For a limited time, OLG is offering the best odds of becoming a millionaire with their $100 Ultimate Ticket with instant prizes up to $100,000 and the chance to turn people into millionaires. This could be an epic way to start the new year. The $100 Ultimate Ticket makes a great gift and is perfect to play with a group. Plus, it gives back to communities like yours. Get your tickets now while quantities last. Must be 18 or older. Play responsibly. Quick break, then Robert Murray. Had our last guest on about a month ago, Ah, when there was hope, when the dream was still alive, the Shohei dream, uh, Robert Murray, MLB insider for Fansided. What's up, brother?
3: Hey, how you doing? Good, sir. Hopefully we have some better news coming in the next couple of weeks Is rather that, than uh, what happened the last few weeks. Yeah. It was bad.
0: It was bad here, dude. It was so bad. It's one of, I, I said the, that day was genuinely one of the worst days in Toronto sports fan history, which is saying something because I don't know if you are aware of, like, let's just put it this way. You've seen us win with the Raptors, right? And you remember the ni- early 90s. I don't think that you've seen a lot of, wow, another Toronto sports team won. Huh, wow, good for them.
3: No, I'll tell you, that entire stretch uh with the Shohei Ohtani sweepstakes and all the reports that happened, uh, I cannot tell you how badly I felt for Blue Jays fans and just Toronto in general. Yeah. That was uh that, that was a roller coaster. It was a roller coaster even on my end trying to track all this stuff and um yeah, I was just really unfortunate how that all played out and um I know Toronto is one of the most passionate fan bases and one of my favorite fan bases to interact with on Twitter and yeah. and everywhere and I just felt felt awful and i still do and i'm i'm hoping the offseason ends up ends up bouncing back for you guys in in a big way i'm hoping so yeah i hope so too um it's interesting though like right now i'm
0: thinking about this and going i wonder if there's more like it feels like simultaneously there's more pressure on the blue jays front office to make some kind of a hit because they clearly need to still capitalize all the same things remain true right they've got a lot of uh new seats that they need to fill some some luxury boxes that they need to fill they clearly need to take a, a winning step forward and they want to be able to capitalize on the final couple of years of the Vladdy and Bo guarantees. But also, it feels like there's so, the the fan base was so beaten down by that, that everyone's just now saying, it, 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 whatever move you make, we don't really care. <laughs> I don't know what that, what kind of a message that's supposed to send up the, the ladder.
3: Uh, it's, it puts the Blue Jays in a really difficult position because they, at the start of the off season, they made it pretty clear that they wanted to get Shohei Ohtani and another option that they could pursue was going to end up being Juan Soto and they miss out on both. And Soto just so happens to go to a division rival and Ohtani goes to the Dodgers after what was like a 24 hour stretch where everyone in Toronto seemingly thought that Ohtani was coming. And it's a really tough spot for that Blue Jays front office. But that being said, there's, there's easily ways that they can, they can salvage this thing because there's, the the key to this off season so far has just been how slow it's been. And there's still a lot of really good players available, uh, especially, I mean, a, a guy that you guys have been familiar with is Matt Chapman. He's still out there. And I think he's absolutely in play there. Uh, there's other free agent options like a, um, a Justin Turner, a JD Martinez, a Joey Votto. There's plenty of pitchers. Like you there's still two of the top pitchers in the market are Yamamoto and Blake Snell. And they're, they're still available. There's other players who are still available as well in the starting pitching market. If they wanted to get creative, um, on the trade market, they can explore a guy like a, a Willie Damas. Um, I mean, I, I don't anticipate the Brewers trading him, but with how weak of a free agent hitter class it is, it might force some teams to get creative. And it sounds like there's some other options on the trade market who have not been reported yet. That could be really intriguing. So like, there's, there's plenty of options sure. that are available. Um, and I, I think the off season is e- like it can easily be salvaged, but it's going to take a lot of work, especially after missing out on two of their top targets.
0: Yeah, it's it's funny because uh, and like people will always say, hey, well you're a Jays guy, you're trying to you know shill or essentially your your opinion. But I it's like you can't deny that the team they still did win 89 games. They're returning most of those players. The team still should be good, and there actually is a case to be made that there's a way that you could build out this roster and use a lot of that money that would actually help you win more than signing one DH to a, you know, what What did we actually clock this thing out, a $486 million contract or something? I don't, I don't even remember exactly what the figure was. But, yeah, there, there's a path here for the Jays to win, and ultimately that's going to people put people's bouts back in the seat. But, before, okay, you said a lot there that I want to dive into today. But I, I just in talking right now and about that day and about what kind of has gone on here, and you know you mentioned how you love engaging with the Blue Jays fan base and that it is a passionate one like do you find as an insider that you, because this is a big fear of this market, is that people feel like Toronto gets used. That they're always the bridesmaid. That they get used because there is such a passionate fan base. Because they are always like, a, "Hey, we could do the Toronto thing." Like even the Bellinger stuff, right? I've seen. You know, Nightingale had the report of they're the front runner for Be- a Bellinger, and now I can understand a Blue Jays fan when they look at that and go, "Well, yeah, he wants two hundred million dollars, and that's the best place that you can say." could actually poach a player like that and i'm curious yeah from an insider standpoint do you feel like you get information sometimes that you get really curious about when it comes to the blue jays because you think that they are just a very popular leverage tool because of yes the market which also includes the fan base pressure
3: yeah i I think it's an interesting question on 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 your end here and like That's why whenever I try to report something, I always want to make sure it's 100% right. That's not being used as a leverage play. It's not being used um, in a way that can be like, like construed that way. But that being said, I remember I was at the winter meetings this year in Nashville, and I was talking to some agents that were there. I was talking to players that were there, and they made it abundantly clear that Toronto is an extremely desirable place to play. And there's players who... Wished that they had started their careers in Toronto because when they eventually went there They could have envisioned spending their entire careers there and I think In baseball, it's considered a really desirable place to play in. Um, You're you're going to be competing. You have a really talented young roster. You have a passionate fan base You're you're in probably like one of the in one of the best divisions in baseball and there's a lot of history there and they're willing to pay and i think that's just it makes it a really desirable place to play and it's why i think that a guy like a, an otani seriously considered it It's why i think other players have seriously considered it it's why i think bellinger will seriously consider it when and if those offers eventually do come uh, but i don't think we're speaking of bellinger i don't think we're anywhere close to a decision there i think he's gonna end up being one of those guys who lingers on the market and could end up being a Um, a late January kind of signing or just it it just I don't anticipate that being imminent but I want to make it abundantly clear though that Toronto from what I have gathered is considered a desirable place to play and it just like I keep coming back to the Otani sweepstakes and how unfortunate that was like that it it was awful and I don't know it's going to take a long time for that fan base to recover from that and and rightfully so Um, but that being said uh, they should not lose hope in, in attracting other free agents because that is considered one of the more desirable places to play in baseball.
0: Okay, so yeah, you mentioned, hey, maybe we're waiting a really long time on Bellinger. Um, yeah, uh, after the Otani signing, a lot of people thought, okay, here come the the floodgates, right? And I, I, I think I read you on Fansided, you were saying, hey, 10 to 14 days, right? Basically the period before Christmas, we would see a little bit more action or at least anticipate, sorry, I don't mean to paraphrase you, but I, I do remember reading the piece yeah. and yet the market remains stuck in mud. And is this just purely Yamamoto? Is there more to this? Like, why are we seeing so much inactivity now going, like, yeah, into Christmas?
3: Yeah, because <laughs> that was the anticipation in baseball. And especially at the winter meetings, you were talking to these people, and it was in baseball, and, and they thought once Ohtani ended up going off the board, the sweepstakes for all the other free agencies or free agents would end up he- heating up. Mm-hmm. And... I mean, there has been some movement for sure, but not to the degree that anyone expected. And and the, the Yamamoto sweepstakes, is basically it's just gotten started over the last 24 to 48 hours with, with offers. And um, it's it's going to take a little bit of time for that one to play out. And that's holding up the market for a lot of these guys because um, you, you hear about guys like Marcus Stroman or Blake Snell or players like that. it's it, They're probably not going to sign until Yamamoto goes unless – one team ends up making an offer that they simply can't refuse and and that's been the case that's it until Yamamoto goes now it seems like that's when uh, the market is just going to really end up going and it's going to require a lot of patience for a lot of these players it's going to require patience from a lot of these fan like a lot of these fan bases cuz mm-hmm. um, the Yamamoto sweepstakes is a little bit different than the Otani sweepstakes is the Otani Otani only had a few teams that could like seriously be in this because 700 million is, is not a price that a lot of teams could pay, but Yamamoto who is considered the top free agent pitcher on the market has seven serious suitors involved and they're all big market teams. And there's always a chance that there's a mystery team involved in this. So it's, it's taking up a lot of the market, taking up the big portion of the market. And once it's, it's not really going to start moving until um, until Yamamoto signs, but there will be activity that there's 23 other teams that are not involved in Yamamoto and seen the pirates get aggressive. We've seen the Royals get aggressive, which I can't say I had that on my bingo card entering the off season, mm-hmm. but there's going to be, there's going to be movement, but the majority of it's going to happen once Yamamoto signs.
0: Yeah. Okay. So the, it feels like he's really stopping the movement of pitchers though. Right. Cause it's, that's, that's what we're looking at with this free mm-hmm. agency group is like, it's a lot of uh, upper echelon and then some, uh, just like a good tier of arms. And that that's the thing with the Jays, is it doesn't feel like that should be preventing them from activity because they technically are a team that you look at and say, well, they're, they're not in on any of these guys, right? But, like, what's your read on whether the Jays could factor in
3: on any of these premier arms? Yeah, like, the immediate one is, is Yamamoto, and mm-hmm. I don't anticipate them being... serious player here i think there's teams like the the mets or the yankees or the dodgers or even the giants who are going to be more seriously involved here and um i mean there's there's plenty of other strong arms i mean you look at a lucas giolito uh, marcus strowman's available who obviously has plenty of familiarity with toronto um you have blake snell and I, i would expect the blue jays to be involved in those conversations just because those are some really good pieces but that being said I would still anticipate a guy like Lucas Giolito getting 20 million a year, and Marcus Stroman will probably get more than 21 million a year, which is the option that he turned down with the Chicago Cubs, and he'll probably be, he'll be getting a multi-year deal. Um, so, I, I anticipate the Blue Jays being more active uh, in terms of trying to upgrade their lineup, and the prices for some of these guys is still pretty high. Mm-hmm. So, it could end up requiring a little bit of patience, and it it could if the blue jay like there's still an abundance of options available on the free agent market and it could allow them some time to to wait it out for those prices to go down which will end up allowing them to um to add more pieces in the long haul i know that's not what fans want to hear but it's the way the market's going right now is with so few quality options available in the hitting market it's made those prices get extremely inflated and like the 200 million plus ask for cody bellinger is the perfect example of that mm-hmm. and if you wait a little bit maybe that price comes down um and then they can really start cooking with gas here this offseason.
0: yeah i think the fear for the fan base is that last off season, they had machinations of certain players it seemed anyways like they were very interested mm-hmm. in nimmo right and then the price went through the roof and they were like okay we're out And it very much felt to me anyways, I'll just speak for myself, that the Jays had some plans in mind and then they ended up having to go to like plan B and plan C and then they ended up, you know, having to go into the Varsho sweepstakes, giving up their top prospect plus Guriel in order to bring in someone that... They ended up starting the season as their cleanup hitter, who basically had no track record of that. And so patience is great. The only thing is, is that once you start to see names come off the board, you start to get a little bit more nervous. And so to the Bellinger thing, like the case that I would kind of think that the Jays would be in on Bellinger is if they are willing to pay the two hundred billion. Because otherwise, if you're him, all indications seem like mm-hmm. Chicago is the place he wants to be. Correct?
3: Yeah, I think that's I think that's an accurate read on this thing. Is is the Cubs and the Blue Jays are probably the two most prominent suitors for a guy like Bellinger. And and the guy like Scott Boris, who represents Bellinger, is he is incredibly patient when it comes to asking prices on his players, and he does not budge at all. And that can end up being a case where, um, let's say, some of these options like a J.D. Martinez or a Joey Votto or Justin Turner start coming off the board, and it starts limiting those options. That could end up forcing Toronto or the Cubs to cave and give Bellinger that price that he wants. And I mean, that's, that's a plausible scenario. It's like that's, there's a chance that happens. And that's something that Boris has, has really thrived on when it comes to other clients that he's had in previous free agencies. And I think that's a possible scenario. And I think, I, I think it's just a, it's a really, it's just a difficult um a difficult off season for the blue jays to navigate because they invested so much in a guy like otani and they end up they ultimately swung and missed and and juan soto was such a perfect fit for them too and it's just as we were talking about when we started this it's like no matter what they do i don't think fans are going to really be that thrilled and mm-hmm. it's it's going to be if you end up adding a bellinger type if you end up adding another hitter in addition to Bellinger, and then you also get a pitcher. I mean, that's a quality offseason for sure. Yep. Um, but I just don't know if that's what Blue Jays fans are going to be really happy with, especially after missing out on Otani when they had so much hope in at that one point. If they're able to do something like that, though, that's
0: why the Bellinger thing does remain the most attractive from a PR standpoint. It's like you can say, hey, this is mm-hmm. a guy that can play all the outfield positions. He can fill in at first base. He provides more flexibility than Otani did. He came off of this incredible season where what he was in the tops when it came to position players with war. It just there's there's a there's a case we made that you say, well, we spread the money around and they still brought in a star and a face and someone that people are familiar with. The problem is, it does come with risk, and it does feel like yeah, the, their only path is to jump the market and to pay to overpay. But that's the that's what I'm saying here about the waiting is it's it's great for them to say, well, we want to wait for the prices to come down until the Chapman's mm-hmm. and the Bellingers come off the board, and people are looking at it going, well, wait. So you had the money, but you you tried to wait for it to come down, and you didn't strike, and now you're ending up with Justin Turner and you know uh an outfielder that doesn't fit as well that that I think is the doomsday scenario for these guys but that's that's really kind of the question to you is do you think that that is what the requirement is going to be here for the Jays to to get in on some of these players is if they're the ones jumping the market say on a Bellinger or a Chapman that they're the ones who strike first and they're the ones that come to the table and say here's the bigger offer we're going to we're going to make the market react to us not the other
3: way around yeah and that's it's a it's a good question, and I, I could absolutely see after losing out on your top two targets, the, there's a very strong case to be made that the Blue Jays could and should do that, mm-hmm. especially with a guy like Chat like especially, especially when you're talking about guys like Chapman and Bellinger, who are both impact players for sure. Um, but that being said, if you end up jumping the market for either one of those two, you got to make sure that you add other pieces around them because even last year when they had Chapman. Um, they were not like a, they were not like a World Series team. Like they, they underperformed, and you got to make sure you add other, you got to add other players around that. But I think you absolutely have to, because if you don't add either one of those two players, and you have that in addition to losing out on your other two top targets, that's going to end up entering. There's going to be a lot of bad juju surrounding that team, uh, in the fan base, I should say uh, come spring training or come opening day. It's just going to be like, why should we be optimistic about this team when we didn't compete with stars or with, with other stars on this team last year. Um, but I, I do think in the end, I'm not much of a predictor. Uh, like that's not something I typically do, but I, I think there's a, a very good chance that the Blue Jays end up with one of those two players. I don't know which one. Um, but I think there's a very strong chance that they do add one. Um, but in free agency, you never know. Mm-hmm. But the, there's certainly a very strong case that the Blue Jays absolutely should jump the market and get one of those two players before it's too late. What is your read on the Chapman situation? I think that I think the most prominent threat for the Blue Jays here is is, is the San Francisco Giants, and uh, the Giants have have a need. For a guy like matt chapman they have his previous manager with the oakland a's and bob melvin and i know bob melvin absolutely loves matt chapman they ended up meeting when they were at the gm meetings here in scottsdale arizona and i think there's there's a clear fit and the giants also have the money to spend and they were very competitive in the otani sweepstakes as well they made a competitive offer they actually matched the the uh the dodgers's offer according to farhan Zaidi, and they have the money to do it and i think it, that's easily the Blue Jays' most prominent threat uh, to retain Chapman. And what his contract eventually looks like, I don't necessarily know. I've heard a lot of differing opinions from people around the league about that. But um, I, I think, like obviously, we're not we're not the we're not at the finalist stage when it comes to a guy like Chapman. Um, but I, I think it's going to end up coming down to those two teams, the Blue Jays and the, and the Giants, and possibly. Possibly the Cubs, because there's a, another strong case to be made there too. That the Cubs are a really good fit for Chapman as well.
0: Do you have any feel for who the Jays would look to, or who their preference might be if it isn't Chapman?
3: If it isn't Chapman, that's mm-hmm. going to end up being that could end up, if they miss on Chapman. That could be when they have to really get creative with this thing. And it's like, do you look at? I mean. I mentioned Justin Turner before. I mentioned a guy like Willie Adamas. He's a shortstop in Milwaukee, and the Brewers have made it pretty clear. Um, Like Matt Arnold, their their general manager in Milwaukee, told me at the winter meetings that they envision having Adamas on their opening day roster. But he's a free agent at the end of next year. And it could behoove the Brewers to try to get ahead of that and get some value in return before you leave him for agency, because he's likely going to be priced out of their, their, out of their budget. Right. And if the Blue Jays end up making an offer for a guy like Adamas, um and slide him over to third base, I think that could be a really intriguing option. And, and one thing about Adamus too, is he is a great, great, great clubhouse guy. He's a great player, uh, very talented and he obviously has familiarity uh, in the AL East being from ta- having played in Tampa Bay. Mm-hmm. Um, but he could end up being a, a really key piece to that team. And I think it would make a lot of sense. And I know there's a lot of other teams that have checked in on him this off season or even last off season. I know the Dodgers checked in last off season and so did the Atlanta Braves. Um, so the, I think those would be two really prominent targets uh, or prominent options. I should say, you even wonder if they could, like get creative and and try to add other players around the um on on offense like a Joey Votto type or a a JD Martinez and mm. or or someone along those lines because Martinez last year he had a resurgent year with the Dodgers and he was signed for a one year for ten million he's going to get more more this year than he did last year of course but he can end up being someone who is signed to a short term deal allows them long term flexibility and can really help. Improve that lineup. Uh, I think that'd be a really strong option.
0: Okay, so I'm I'm saving the the sexier stuff for last year because I think a lot everybody everybody with the Jays has kind of gone over the the free agent machinations, right? We like knowing that Toronto. I, I think the the stuff that you're saying makes a lot of sense, but ultimately the the way to dream on something still for this team is the trade stuff, right? Because yeah, Bellinger, it's all right. You get it. If you get him, it's going to be 200 plus million dollars for a guy that yeah was had a lot of difficulties before last year. Great start to his career, really difficult middle, pretty risky pay for 200 million million. and like you said it's like you're you're basically branding him as not Shohei in left field is hey everyone there's there's not Shohei. He's he's standing up there. He better make a lot of beautiful plays, right? He's better have a really good season. Chapman in a free agency if like he's the main guy they bring in here it's a nightmare because people here are pretty much out on him even though he probably does represent the best hope moving forward. Like it's it's the the stuff you can't see it's the names that we don't know are conclusively out there that that really intrigue a blue jays fan where you go okay well what if it is a trade so uh let's just start with this how active do you think the blue jays are in the trade market are they are they real players given their limited of like their limited options with the farm system
3: yeah and i i do think when it comes to this market, especially in the hitting market, with it being so inactive or so limited options in the free agent market, I think it's going to force them to get to explore that, that trade market. And it's from what I've gathered, there's been a lot of different teams that have explored a lot of different scenarios. Like I, I know um, John Heyman of uh, MLB network, even said that the blue Jays have kicked around the idea about Christian Yelich. He said that in a bleacher report stream. And uh, there's, there's, plenty of other players that I'm sure are going to end up getting inquired about. And, and like I know there's one in particular that I, I don't think a trade is necessarily likely by any means, but um, I think the Marlins are open to anything and everything. And I wonder if some teams would ask them about a guy like Luis Arise. I think that would be someone who is not necessarily been talked about in trade rumors at all this offseason, but considering the limited options on the market, it's possible that a team could... Could try to overpay and give the or give the Marlins maybe two top 100 prospects in exchange for a rise. Uh, mm-hmm. But that being said, it could be difficult for the Blue Jays to pull that one off, just because as you said, the, the limited options in the farm system. But I, I think the Blue Jays have to be aggressive in the in a trade market and explore a bunch of different options, because the the fringe hitting market and how weak it is kind of calls for that. And I would like when it comes to the trade market, I mm-hmm. think it's my read on it and talking to other teams and talking to people around the league is that it's going to really heat up once Yamamoto signs. And I think that could happen before Christmas. I I know there's other people who have different opinions on what the timeline could look like, but I think it might happen before Christmas. And once he goes, the free agent market's going to heat up. The trade market's going to heat up. There's going to be a lot more clarity. And I think that's when we're going to really see teams pout, especially in the trade market here. I think that's going to be when the floodgates open Mm. and it could just get absolutely crazy for a week or two in baseball.
0: God, I hope that happens. And okay. That's like, that's a great name arise. But the problem is, yeah, if you're a blue Jays fan, good luck. (laughs) That's, I just, it's going to be tough. Yeah. I just, I don't see what the, like the trade packages. like we've done the Luis, like, like we've done some of these trade ideas where you, you know, you put it in the simulator and you try to figure out like, okay, how do you make this thing work? And, it it's just it's tough with the yeah, with the, the draft pick capital or sorry, the the prospect capital that the Blue Jays have right now. And it's part of what makes it even more frustrating is not having a farm system as you look at it and go, damn man, you know, you're trying to win, you're trying to compete. Some of these trades they're 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 really gonna haunt you when uh, trying to make a move or a name like that does become available. Um, but you said it. Okay, you already mentioned his that huge name, so maybe I'm being greedy here, but you did say early on, you said, quote, other names on the trade market that haven't been reported yet. You want to report one of those names? More of those names?
3: Yeah, I'll, I'll tell you. I, I said it in the last one. Uh, it was, like, I like I, I want to make it abundantly clear the yeah. Marlins are not shopping a rise, yeah. but I think he's going to be asked about, because like it seems like the Marlins are kind of in a similar situation to... White Sox here is that they are open to talking about anyone and everyone via trade because they want to improve their farm system, they want to have long-term flexibility. And I don't think it's impossible that a rise moves. Um, I know I I'm pretty confident I'm the first and only person to mention that in the media here. Mm -hmm. Um, but like my my intel suggests that it's not impossible, but it's gonna require a haul. That could make it pretty difficult for any acquiring team to pull it off, but I think rise is one who makes sense. Um, I think uh, like anyone with the White Sox makes sense. Like I think Luis Robert is is very unlikely to be traded, but would not rule that out. I think an Eloy Jimenez type makes plenty of sense uh, on, as far as a trade as a trade piece for the White Sox. Mm. I think those two teams are the most prominent ones, and you can't even rule anything out with the Padres because um, they are and also in a situation where. Uh, they've been shedding payroll. They obviously traded Juan Soto. I know there's been rumors suggesting that they can move a guy like a H- Kim, and he would be a really coveted player on the market. And I think the G- Giants make a lot of sense there too. Um, but and I also know Bob Melvin loves Kim, so that um, that could be another name to watch in their trade market. But it's I'll tell you, I think this is once once Yamamoto signs, there's going to be a lot more clarity when it comes to that trade market and what who who exactly is out there. And um, yeah, it's just going to be. I'm I'm bracing for it. I've already stocked up on cold brew because I know yeah. once. Once that ends up happening, it's the floodgates are just going to be going crazy.
0: Yeah, we're like one or two days from a lot of your colleagues writing know, more hit pieces against baseball players, taking their time in free agency. <laughs> it's
3: oh, like, God, you know. I, I'm telling you, they, boy,
2: they were on full force oh, at the winter meeting. God. Holy God. Smoke. Yeah, it was, yeah,
0: It was intense. It was really, really, really intense. I do feel for you guys because, yeah, I'm looking at this and it's like, yeah, we're fully into the holiday season and you wish that baseball did have like an a, an actual official break for some of you dudes but yeah i also was like some of these <laughs> was pretty intense some pretty intense takeaways hey dude uh happy holidays thanks so much for making time i i genuinely appreciate everything uh that you've said on the show and and the time that you've given us
3: no i, I appreciate you having me happy holidays to you and i can't wait to be back on with you guys soon cuz you guys do a really good job and and uh, much love toronto thanks man uh robert murray
0: uh mlb insider for fan okay uh, my quick wrap on this: Number one, you jump for Bellinger, you don't jump for Chapman. Like, let's be real here. If the Jays are going to get either of those two guys, they're going to have to overpay. I'm not thrilled about the Chapman idea. The problem is, is that Chapman still does, from a WAR standpoint and a fit standpoint, represent a player that is hard to beat in free agency for this team. Like, I, I just think, just put it this way. There's easier ways to get the the DH crappy outfield bat than there is to replace third base if Chapman's gone. I, I'm not... The Justin Turner of the past and the clutch gene stuff, that's intriguing, but it's, that's not the same Justin Turner anymore. Uh, I don't love bringing Chapman back. I just think that from an optics standpoint, a the contract, the way that it's probably going to age, the, not, not being sure if the bat really plays anymore after what we saw down the stretch last season. I just, I hope I don't think it happens, but again, there's really no attractive option for the Jays in that spot, free agency wise. And you want to make sure that you can nail down one of those two in free agency, because I just think that there's too many, there's way too many holes to paper over with what else is on the free agent market. Plus the limitations you have in trade. Okay. Okay. But that still remains to be the the ideal offseason is that you jump the market for Bellinger. And is it gonna be uncomfortable? Yes. Was I someone who didn't like the Bellinger at the beginning of free agency? Uh-huh. I, I thought he was gonna be like a big time overpay. I felt the same way about Bellinger this year as I did about Nimmo last year, where I went, I see it. I know what you like in the guy, but at that money, damn. There's no salary cap, but we all know that's there is a salary cap. There's a budget, there's a there's a there's a there's a breaking point. And so if you give Cody Bellinger that money, there's going to be a ripple effect with the rest of the roster and the flexibility that you have financially moving forward. So it it does come with some risk, but I, I think if you're going to get him, you, you got to jump the market and you got to be the $200 million team to me that I'll just maintain the same thing as I said before. If you're seeing that report, Cody Bellinger wants to, that we just went over who his agent is that they're saying that is the price. That is what they want. They don't want to have to settle for anything under the $200 million mark. And that is a hefty, 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 hefty penny. And that's the thing that Toronto Blue Jays have to do. That's how they got George Springer. They gave him the extra year. They gave Hyunjin Ryu the extra year. That's the Toronto tax. I think that if you're going to get Cody Bellinger, you've got to pay the Toronto tax immediately, and that's the $200 million. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe they end up getting him for less. But I feel like they've got to jump the market and say, you know what? Here's the actual offer that you guys are waiting for. We're going to pay it. Make the Cubs be the ones who scramble. Force his hand to actually make that decision. I would hate it if they jumped the market on Chapman and that they gave him the big bag and forced him to go, you know what? Screw it. I'm not going to wait around on the Giants offer anymore. I'd almost rather that they jumped the market for third base in terms of whatever they feel like the the trade could be uh, or the the secondary signing guy. Like if they actually do view... Justin Turner as the number two guy to play the hot corner behind Chapman that they would say, yep, we're going to get, and get him right now. We're paying that right now because we think it's going to be less and we don't want to be left holding the bag after Chapman goes. But yeah, I think you got to jump for Bellinger. Uh, and yes, uh, to make it clear, without knowing, like again, they're not going to be able to get in on the Lewis Roberts. They're not going to be able to get on the Arise if they become available. So is Willie Adamas, like what, how much of your prospect capital is that were like you got kind of one move like you can either move ricky tiedemann for something and get into the higher splash or you can move a martinez and maybe a little few of the lesser prospects for a lesser guy but it doesn't feel like they've, they've got layers of trades that they can make they've kind of got to be able to pick their spot so in the trade market yeah they're probably going to have to be a little bit more patient free agency i don't think so anyway that was good stuff from robert take a quick break come back hit what we missed all right let's close this one out and go home armin you doing okay by the way yeah i got a little nasal thing I'm fine let's do this regular
2: yeah. regular winter cold
0: i don't think it's cold even mm-hmm. i was outside a long time yesterday i will say that i was very much doing the outside time okay all right what do we got what we missed
2: so, there's an excerpt from Scotty Pippen's book, Unguarded, percolating yeah. on social media right now. Um, it addresses how Michael Jordan's teammates allegedly felt in their time in Chicago, and then again rewatching The Last Dance in yeah. 2020. So, I'm going to read out the excerpt from the mm-hmm. book. From one season to the next, we received little or no credit whenever we won, but the bulk of the criticism when we lost. Michael could shoot six for 24 from the field, commit five turnovers, and he was still in the minds of the adoring press and public, the errorless Jordan. Now here I was in my mid-50s, 17 years since my final game, watching us being demeaned once again. Living through it the first time was insulting enough. Over the next few weeks, I spoke to a number of my former teammates who each felt as disrespected as I did. How dare... Michael treat us that way after everything we did for him and his precious brand.
0: So Michael Jordan read the uh, he he led the NBA in scoring uh, ten seasons that he played. Uh, I'd like to see all the years that he was with Pippin, where he all the nights. I, I'd like an accumulation of all the nights was, what was the stat line? Sorry that uh, Scotty mentioned five turnovers and two, what what six for twenty four shooting. Yeah, five yeah. Turnovers. I want I want to see how many nights. Jordan was that, Scotty. Let's let's see the receipts on that. Also, number two, to LeBron fans and to you specifically, I Armin. I
2: knew you were going here, yeah. To
0: LeBron fans yeah. and to Armin, yeah. the Scotty Pippen book and these excerpts are to you guys what, like, Maxim Magazine was to me when I was 14. Like, you... <laughs> are so excited for this book. I went, when Scotty was going to write this thing, I went, man, given all we know now, given all we know now, and a lot of the outbursts, and I again, I do think that this isn't a Michael thing. This is a he got ruined by a bad woman thing. Like, it's just, you know, I actually really do feel for Scotty Pippen. I think that the thing that happened to him is one of the worst things that I can remember happening to, like, uh a guy from the standpoint of your ex. Like, that is, she's a villain. Yeah. You know, and it's funny, too, because <laughs> a lot of women know her through reality television. I wasn't even aware that she's, like, a reality TV star, but she is. And she's, like, not a villain to them. They're like, yeah, Larissa Piv-. I'm like, what? Sweetheart. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't think it's a sweetheart situation. I think she's very much, she's on those Real Housewives shows. Mm. I don't, or something well, it's that. It's that
2: universe, right? You know? Simon. The, this is where we need Simon. Yeah, like was the was reality. Say, Yeah. reality Yeah. The,
0: well, I was going to say, the only married guy because it's the only way that any dudes are watching this. Is actually Nick's married, but you watch any of that stuff? Are you crazy? Okay. Ever. Yeah. Okay, I was <laughs> no, just curious. But oh, I was yeah, going to yeah. say, you never... Yeah, but, uh, yeah, it's not in my orbit. I don't really know much about it. I saw one season of... Love is Blind, and I thought it was one of the worst things I've ever seen in my entire life. <laughs> and I, it just made me mad. I sat there mad the whole time. I just sat there the entire time sitting there just like mad. <laughs> Why are those people like this. This is wrong. This is wrong! But yeah, Larissa Pippen, famous for that. But yeah, no, ultimately she did. Scotty so dirty, I think she broke him. And I think that some of the outbursts that you see here is just like a man who is at a loss.
2: You don't think there's any truth to it?
0: Do I think that there's some truth Villa to the dirty. fact that... Do I think that there's some truth to that? the best player in the history of basketball got more credit than his teammates. <laughs> is that what mm-hmm. Scott, how dare he treat us like that after we held up the brand. What are you talking about? Scotty? Like again, Scottie Pippen would have been, would have been really great no matter where he played. In fact, he is one of the players that I think just like you put him in air, any era of basketball, any team in basketball. And he would have facilitated winning. Do I think that had he been though on, the team that he was supposed to be on, which broke me as a child, much the way my version of the Larissa Pippen thing is that the Sonics traded away Scotty Pippen. We had him, <laughs> okay? Mm. We had him. Do I think that he has six championship rings? Do I think that he goes down and it's the same, you know, the way that we think about this? Like, no. The, the guy that's hurt Scotty Pippen's image more than anybody is Scotty Pippen. He needs a mirror. Doesn't need Michael Jordan. He needs a mirror. Scotty, no one made you not check into that basketball game. Buddy, that wasn't Michael Jordan who said you can't go in there, Scotty. They just said what happened. Did, did you not get enough credit? Probably. Are you better than maybe history remembers you? Probably. Like, would it be frustrating being that good next to someone who is the greatest and feeling like your whole life you did everything that you could to support this person? But also, here's the other part of it. Michael doesn't come out and just, like, trash Scotty constantly. He's made some fair criticisms that he's had of all of his guys. And here's the thing about Rome. Michael Jordan. Yep. Here's the thing about Michael Jordan. He's consistent in his, in his criticism of players. He's critical of everyone because no one can live up to the great Michael Jordan. It's the same thing with Kobe. That's the thing about some of these guys who will do anything to win is that they look at the people around them and they look at how they can be better, right? Mike, Larry Bird did the same thing with Kevin McHale. Looked at Kevin McHale was horrible to kevin McHale. like go read some of the old larry bird stories about kevin McHale. that was his number two because why because he needed the number two to be great and the reason why the number two wasn't as great as the number one is because that element of the dog wasn't there and that would drive the guy crazy because i guarantee you michael jordan wished that he had some of the tools that
2: scotty pippen had Anyway, I'm just over the Scottie Pippen stuff. Like we get it, man. Well, the reason it caught my eye, JD, is because on January 12th, all 13 yeah. individuals of the 95 Exposed team this is, is getting just... inducted in the Ring of Honor. So, like, they're gonna have to be standing side by side. My thing was Scotty might not even show up at this point. Yeah, I he don't... might do that thing because <laughs> that's just like coming, not coming into the game. It's pouting. He might do that again. I hope he doesn't because for all I the people at like at your generation, yeah. like this is. Like, this should be a shining great moment. It should bring a tear to your eye. Don't no? kill you. You say my
0: generation again. Anyway, uh, <laughs> yes, I'll kill lie. you. Anyway, uh, this is where I will say that, okay, so, I, you know, I, I mock the ladies for watching the Real Housewives stuff. Stop moving your microphones. Is it both of you. Me? This is, yeah. What, this is, yeah, you don't get to adjust. I, I adjust, okay? You sit still and you don't move the mic. I make fun of the ladies for Love and the Real Housewives shows and whatever. Love, not Love Act, Love is love. Blind. All those shows. But then I realized that sports is just that for me, where I'm giddy about the potential of those guys all being in the same room. And I went, what would, what would you pay for the pay-per-view of the behind-the-scenes of this event? Like, if actually all the Bulls get together, the 96 Bulls. That's what it is, right? 96? Yep. 95,
2: 96, yep. Yeah, okay.
0: So if all the 95, 96 Bulls get together and... They have to actually interact in a green room scenario. Like they all got to be at the craft services table, hanging out, shooting it. <laughs> Scotty's gonna be there. Michael's gonna be there. What? What? I if they if they told me, hey, this is a two hundred dollar pay per view. We're gonna follow MJ around. I would. I wouldn't even bat an eye at that. I'd be like two hundred dollars. That's it. That's all we got to do. I would I- immediately pay that. I, I I like. I genuinely don't know what the price would be for me to not watch that. Pay-per-view or watch that documentary of the, that day with that team because there is so much drama circulating those guys. There's a little bit of sadness to me about it because I just, if if you accomplish something that great, you should be able to come back to the table and have some, some appreciation of that, right? And and I do I think that it would actually be this. Uh, if Michael was the one that actually came back and checked his ego the most and said, I appreciate you guys, I love you guys, thank you for everything, I think that would mean the world to all of them, clearly. They're all just, you know, they're all of us, basically, with our dads, like, wanting approval, And except for wow. their dad is all MJ. Anyways, what's Mike next?
2: gives us nothing. He's, he's he's too manicured and worried about every little oh, yes, thing. Oh, this is the
0: LeBron guy who I'm puts out saying. his own. He's also be... making his own documentary right now. It just follows all the same thing. Who makes a show called The Shop, where it's just him that he edits and has things like... Uh, the bubble title was actually the hardest one to win. At least it gives us
2: something. At <laughs> least it gives us something. Why doesn't Jordan come out and just and talk about why? the Pippin well, relationship a little?
0: Why? Why would, he? why would he? Why would he lower himself to that? Like, that's, that is, that's, like, this is the lion in the opinion of the sheep thing. Like, you're Michael Jordan. You don't need to, by well, staying it's... quiet, it's just better. And that's who he is. And plus, he didn't stay quiet. He, he released an entire documentary called The Last Dance, which is his. Mm -hmm. And he gave his perspective and that was his, that's his thought. That's the way that he sees things. We don't need more for Michael Jordan. Anyways, what's next?
2: Canada basketball general manager, Rowan Barrett doubled down that only players who committed to the three-year window for the senior men's national team will participate in the Paris 2024 Olympics next year. He said, you know, we'll move on from them and maybe look at them again in the next quad but we're going to go with the guys that are able to commit so that we can build continuity as a team.
0: Here's uh, what I think. Here's what I think. Yeah. Hell yes. Hell yes. Hell yes, Rowan. Hell yes. You can't just show up, be a part of this unit now. Hey, Canada has the second most NBA players of any nation, okay? We're not, we're not begging for people to come anymore. Yeah. The standard has now been set. The standard has now been set as, Medals. That's what we want. Medals. International basketball. We've already learned through Team USA losses. We learned this in 06 with Argentina. It, it, it isn't just purely about skill. Okay, it's not about who you have at the very, very top. Canopy? Can you be overwhelmed? Team like 100. percent But now international basketball is such that some of these teams are dudes that play together all year round. And if you have some slippage, they're going to beat you. And unless you're Team USA with just like actually a team full of all stars. There is It can be be really hard to win. And if Canada wants to actually win, if their ultimate goal is not just, hey, we want to qualify and we want to be the bronze medalist, we want to be the gold medalist, their path towards that is to actually build a team, is to build guys who are committed to the program, who know what the expectations are of them, and that are consistently doing the same things. And if I'm Rowan Barrett and I'm Team Canada and I saw the showing that we already have, I'm saying, yeah, I'm rolling with those guys, I'm rolling with those dogs. That's Those are the dogs that want to be here. I'm sorry, but that's how you're going to change the the way that some of these dudes view it, where the Benedict Matherins, hey, you're on your rookie deal. So what? Your team didn't want you to go? Well, too bad for you then. Too bad for you. Enjoy being in trade rumors with the Indiana Pacers, who I, have they won a game since the in-season? I don't know. Either way, I, I, I'm just saying... Hey, you want to be Andrew Wiggins? You want to be on the fence about going, not going, whatever? You want to be Shaden Sharp? You want to play on – you want to say you want to play on Team Canada? You better show up to the camps. You better show up when it's not convenient because it's fun to be at the Olympics. That's Mm -hmm. what we're going to learn. Hey, real fun to get to wear the Canada gear and say you're on Team Canada basketball at the Olympics and be surrounded by your peers, NBA players, like it's cool now wasn't cool four years ago, wasn't cool five years ago, wasn't cool six years ago. Now the culture that they have to cultivate is one of guys who are committed, not guys who are half in, half out, and are only going to be there when it's convenient for them contractually or from their own schedule or from their team pressures. It's the dogs. It's the ones that want to be there. So good for Rowan Barrett. I completely support it 100%. Would I have supported it if the program was back in the – Rapper like it was not too long ago no because they were desperate then that's when you did have to grovel you did have to grovel but now it's becoming i hope anyways it is going to become a real genuine honor for these guys to play for team canada and i'm optimistic about the future and i think that holding a standard like this only makes things better what's next
2: Aaron Rodgers confirms his season is over. Oh, yeah, shocker. On the Pat McAfee show yesterday, he said, being fully medically cleared as 100% healed is not realistic at 14 weeks. Mm. It was unrealistic to think I'd be 100% to be medically cleared at any point during the regular season. This came two days after the New York Jets were officially eliminated from playoff contention.
0: No, this came two days after he watched the Jets O-line play and absolutely (laughs) smushed two quarterbacks. He went, (laughs) yeah, (laughs) oh, actually, I'm not medically cleared. Uh, It was pretty crazy of me to to think this because if he stepped in behind that offensive line, he'd be going right back on that list. Anyway, uh, I don't think there's much to say here and see here because we've said the same thing from day one. He's not coming back this year. The only possible way that he was going to step onto the field in 2024, and I mean that, like, that I don't mean 2020. I mean 2024, like, for him to be in the playoffs was that scenario. Was the Jets scrapped and clawed their way to a postseason berth, and that right as the clock turned into January, Aaron Rodgers looked all right? The offensive line had coalesced. They looked better than we expected. Blah blah blah. Anyway, I I just want to say my prediction was 100% correct on not just that, but also the Jets. I picked them as the overhyped team yet again. I said that their offensive line wasn't good enough, and I know Rodgers got hurt, but I'll tell you this right now. I don't think anything would have been different with the Jets season. They would have a couple more wins maybe with Aaron Rodgers. I don't think that it would have been drastically uh, a, a big difference between the two. All right, what's next?
4: Oh, do you want to do the, the pizzeria story? Because I think that's the Yes, best I do. Point. Yes, so, I do. Yes, yeah. I do. Yes, I do. So, yes, listen, do. listen. You got a pizzeria, right? And you got this guy, best name, Nino Cornelio. Like, he's the owner of this pizza shop. And he wanted to get in on the Tommy DeVito hype, right?
0: Mm-hmm. So, New York Pizzeria. Yeah, yeah.
4: He's the guy. He's the guy. So, he offered, he offered uh, Tommy 10,000 to come through, 10 Gs to come through and see if he could uh, sign a few autographs for the kids. Enter a uh, newer agent. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's his name again? Stiletto? Stiletto? Stilato. Yeah, Sean Stellato. He came in and was like, look, my boy's going to need you to up that by half. Like, like dropping another 10. What do you think uh, uh, Canelio does? He's like, nah, nah, bro. I'm out. Forget it. Enter DeVito. He sort of took the reins now and was like, look, listen, I want to get back in. Let's make it charitable. Let's do something I want in on this. I don't want to lose any of this bad PR. So they went in there. They did something really great. They did a nice little PR spot. Russ's history? History is the job that Dilto has now, which is just simply what? He's the side guy. He's the he's the contract guy now. That's all he is.
0: This is one of the funniest stories of the year. Like Tommy DeVito rise was incredible. Everything about it was amazing and this story went the way that these stories always do, which is you jump the shark and Tommy DeVito and his agent after trying to squeeze an extra 10 grand he had the the agent goes into the Italian American Hall of Fame he's wearing the suits he's doing shows talking about oh he's a big uh, rat pack guy and that's why he wears them uh
4: and he gets demoted he's
0: and then he gets
4: he gets he gets demoted
0: listen that's he what <laughs> he hit he hit another stereotype with the extortion mm. he tried to extort that pizzeria and it didn't work out for him no. much like Richie in season 2 of the Sopranos anyway uh We got to go leave five stars, leave review, subscribe. We'll see you tomorrow.